got James and John, and you've got Andrew and Peter. So two different families, two different boats. And Andrew is not mentioned here, but the idea is that he's probably there. Very often, Andrew is in the background and not mentioned in a lot of time, a lot of places where he really is. It says, Jesus got into one of the boats, and it belonged to Simon Peter. And he asked him to go out a little ways, and then Jesus sat down to teach the large crowd on the shore. And and evidently, uh, the commentators say that this was an area that was sort of like an amphitheater, where his voice was magnified as he's off the shore talking to the large crowd on the shore. And they can hear him better that way, and he's not crowded himself. There are a lot of different sources that say these fishing boats were anywhere from 20 to 30 feet long. So it's easy enough to get a number of disciples on a fishing boat. And so you see that here where he tells them in verse where he tells Peter to put out other disciples are in the boat also but all the focus is on Peter it's not on James and John they're mentioned but the focus is on Peter because Peter is going to be the chief disciple the one that has all the other disciples looking to him John we know was a very young person at this time so he was not going to be qualified to have People look up to him at this time. Some people take this to be a uh, some kind of a, an example of moving from shallow water into deep water, as an example of Peter going from shallow water where his faith is small and his knowledge of Jesus is small and his commitment to Jesus is small out into the deeper water as an example of what God's going to do with him. And I don't know whether that analogy is true or not, but that is what happened. So, verse 4 says, When he had finished speaking, he told Simon to go into the deep water, and he sat down, and he let down his net for a catch. And when he says it was put down into deep water, again, a lot of people see this as an analogy. Verse 5 says, Simon says, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Master is a general term that sort of means like boss. And this is what he calls Jesus now. But you don't see this afterwards because he has an experience with Jesus. And after this, he doesn't use the word master. He uses the word Lord. All night long we've been fishing nothing. It's a respectful way that Peter talks to him, but it's tinged with a little bit of um, exasperation maybe. They've been fishing all night, but they caught nothing. And now Jesus is saying, take these nets and go out deep 
and fish some more. Between the four of them, James and John and Peter and Andrew, they've been fishing a long time. Jesus is a carpenter. And John, I mean, Peter said to himself, I think, what does a carpenter know about fishing? We've been doing this for a long, long time, but we're going to listen to you, but this is probably an exercise in futility. Fishermen in Galilee at the time, they don't go out in deep water. They fish in shallow water, and they fish at night. They don't fish during the daytime. That's why every time you see it, it's nighttime that they've been fishing. And they come back in either with fish or none. But Jesus is defying all of these normal ways that you fish. And I know you know it's going through their mind. This is ridiculous. This is not going to work. You don't fish in deep water. You fish at night so that when you throw the net, the fish don't see the net coming. In the daytime, they see it and they, they scatter. But anyway, regardless of all this, they listen to Jesus. Even though he's telling them how to fish in all the wrong ways, it would be difficult for anybody that's had a lifetime of doing something for somebody that seems to be a rookie to tell you to do it a different way. In addition to all this, Peter's weary. He's tired. He's frustrated. They've been fishing all night, caught nothing. And they're not doing this as sports fishing. They're providing for their family. So they caught nothing, so their family gets nothing for that day. And he's he's weary. He spent all night, and he's frustrated. And then he says, nevertheless, I will do as you say. Verse 6 says, Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard. Excuse me, that's verse 5. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. It's interesting, if you look through the Gospels, you won't find one time that they ever caught a fish without Jesus calling them to to catch something. Not one time did they fish that they catch anything unless Jesus opened the way without his help. And verse 7 says, There were so many fish that their nets began to break, and their, and their partner's boats began to break, break and sink too. The nets beginning to break, the boats are beginning to sink. And it's an example of the blessing that comes when we do things God's way and not our own way, no matter how much experience we think we have. What this does show is God's complete control over the animal kingdom. The fish of the sea are just as obedient to the word of God as the lice, the gnats, the uh, the flies, and the locusts were in Egypt when he called them. They all obey him. You can imagine what's going through the mind of the disciples when all this happens. When they're doing all the things wrong 
that normally brings them a catch of fish. And they're doing it at a time when they're dead tired, and now the boats are beginning to sink because of all the fish. It's not a matter of, golly day, we're so happy. It's whose presence are we in? It's a matter of great awe because they're just amazed at what they see and what's going on. So probably the lesson to be learned is the blessing of immediate, unhesitating obedience to every plain command of Christ. We're to walk by faith and not by sight and believe that what we don't see now is right and reasonable. And that's not something that happens immediately. It's something I think that comes over a period of time when you see the working of God in your life and the life of others. We need to know that sooner or later, we're going to reap a great reward. We prefer sooner, often God prefers later, to see what we're going to do. Verse 8 says that when Simon Peter saw the great multitude of fish, so many that the boats were in danger of sinking, he fell at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Notice Peter didn't say, Lord, this is the greatest miracle I've ever seen. I'm just, I'm so blessed to be able to see this. Instead, he saw, what he saw was not so much a miracle as what the Bible calls a theophany. And a theophany is a visible or an audible manifestation of God. His words express exactly the first feelings of a man when he is brought into anything like close contact with God. The, the, the sight of divine greatness, of the greatness of, of deity, the greatness, the, the holiness of God, it makes him strongly feel his own smallness and his great sinfulness. That's what happens all through Scripture when people come in contact with God. They see how big God is and how small they are, how holy God is and how great of a sinner that they are. I, th I feel like anytime somebody says they've seen God, if they don't, if that's not the way they feel, then I question who they've seen. So like Adam in the garden, after the fall, Peter's first thought is to hide himself. Like Israel, at the base of Mount Sinai, where the people told Moses not to let God speak to them, lest we die. This is the way Peter's feeling. When Abraham was in the presence of God, he said, now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, and now my eyes see, but now my eyes see you. 
Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Isaiah said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm not Isaiah, but I have certainly felt a similar thing before. Peter had experienced the unimaginable grace of God that drove him to realize his own sinfulness. Thankfully, we have a mediator between ourselves and God, Jesus. The one that allows us to draw near to God, to draw close to him with boldness and without fear. Out of Christ, God is a consuming fire. In Christ, he's a reconciled father. Verses 9 and 10 say, Amazement had seized Peter and all his companions. That's a great understatement. As experienced fishermen, they knew how beyond understanding it was to see this take place. It, it just, it's impossible, but with Jesus it happened. It's no wonder that Jesus told Peter not to fear. Because fear is a natural reaction to the experience of God's glory. The words, don't be afraid or fear not, are frequently a part of a theonomy. People see God, God has to tell them, fear not, don't be afraid. These words bring the assurance that their sins are forgiven. That's why you can fear not. From now on, you'll be catching men. Verse 11 tells us, they left everything and followed him. That means the call was also to James and John and to the other disciples that with him that are not named. The call to the disciples was a full-time call and they responded. Jesus had just let them experience every fisherman's dream, the catch of a lifetime, yet their greatest catch lay ahead of them, the catch of men for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, you've called all of us. You've called us so we wouldn't be here. You've called us, Lord, to, to see you in your wonder, your glory. You've called us to leave the things that entangle us and to walk with you. You've called us to a, a life of graciousness, of mercy, of compassion and love. And you've called us to speak the truth. So, Lord, I just pray that um, that call would be a, a flame within us, that it would not be extinguished, 
that you would forgive our slothfulness and Lord draw us in a way that is a bright flame that just endures Lord it's difficult to walk in a world where debris is everywhere and it clings to us so readily but we pray that you would wash us clean yet again and let us see your son and we ask it in his name Amen.